0: Hi, welcome to this week's podcast and this week we're going to be talking about really fucking noisy neighbours Hey James, how are you doing
1: mate? Headache? Hello, I'm Martin Mercer. And I'm James Mastriani. You've never heard of us. We're two Brits who grew up in North London and have had varying success in the film and television industry.
0: In our ever-advancing age, we find ourselves on... The The Wrong Side side of of Hollywood. Hollywood. (laughs) In our series of podcasts, we'll share our experiences of what it's like being a British bloke living and working... Or not in the biz.
1: We'll discuss everything from fish and chips to things that wind us up. So stay with us. It's all uphill from here. This podcast may contain strong language. If you're of a sensitive nature or easily offended, we invite you to, as they say in Blighty, jog on.
0: So, uh yeah, quite an intro. How are you feeling?
1: Well, that's really annoying. They do it so often. Everybody who doesn't know where we live. It's actually a nice part of North Hollywood, but the particular street we're on, it's like a little Fallujah war zone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's uh, it, There's one particular family, and they are the noisiest mother- yeah. I've ever heard. I've lived in East Los Angeles. I've lived in Venice. I've lived in... Uh, blah, 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 I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm gaggling, <laughs> googling. <laughs> mm. um, I've lived in uh, Melrose, uh, many places, and I've never experienced such a noisy, dreadfully noisy people. In fact, our neighbors, our lovely neighbors who are from uh, Latin America and many parts. Because many people here are like, oh, Mexican.
1: Yeah, it's Hispanic. not. It's not, though.
0: But, but there's so many regions. Yeah. And this is a neighbourhood that has people from all those regions, as well as African-Americans and white and so on and so forth. And these neighbours have said, we've never experienced this. Yeah. These arseholes, they'll just sit outside and they'll have a fucking band. And I call it invasiveness. Yeah. If I fart in my toilet, nobody else hears it outside in the street, unfortunately. Uh... Unless, yeah, I know you've caught a few when I've been outside, haven't you? I've walked past; you've caught a few of those. Mm -hmm. I try and keep my business, pardon the expression, to myself. And these people invade, James. They invade.
1: I I don't have a problem with people having parties. We have we have parties outside ourselves. But when I had a house in North Hollywood. I would go around my neighbors and I say, hey, we're having a party. You're welcome to join us. And we'll try and keep the noise down after such and such a time. We get no such courtesy from these assholes. They just set up and they get really, really loud and drunk. And they play the same fucking tune over and over and over over again. That's awful.
0: It's Chinese water torture, isn't it? Oh, sorry. But it's water (laughs) torture. And uh, it's it's absolutely dreadful. And they have no consciousness. And, of course, I think it's a bit of a fuck you. Yeah. I think because there's a little bit of tagging that goes along with these people. There's a little bit of association to gang situation, as far as I can tell, and I've seen... I've heard rumours that certain villages in certain countries where the more noise you make, it means the more wealthy and powerful you that's, are.
1: That's crazy. Uh,
0: but, which is absolutely madness. But it goes hand in hand with these cars that, where they drill holes in
1: exhaust. They put a screw in there, so it sounds like a V2 rocket. Oh, my mechanic told me that you can go on to Amazon and buy an attachment that makes it sound like it's a race car. Right. And I first noticed it at the beginning of the pandemic hmm. when suddenly all these people who are bored because yeah. they got nowhere to go. And they're just getting in their cars and they're just racing up and yeah. down the street. And of course, there were no cops to flag them down. And I noticed in Burbank and Glendale, they've now got signs up saying cruising with loud pipes is going to get you arrested in the ticket. Really? Yeah, that's in Burbank and Glendale. No such luck in North Hollywood. Oh, no.
0: It's a city of LA where nobody gives a shit and inconvenience is a skill set. Fucking <laughs> bullshit. Oh, right. uh, it just drives me mad. And now there's this new thing where... Yeah. You're in a car and suddenly it's like, a boom, boom, And the whole fucking car's rattling My bones are rattling, my balls are rattling They've never rattled so much since I was in my 20s <laughs> And you and you look around you're like What the fuck, where's the tripod Where are the Martians No, it's some knob end Who's next to you in their car And you can always tell they've got the windows down yeah. To let the sound down yeah. And it's bone rattling And it just wound me up so much once I don't care who these people yeah. are and I put my hand on the horn and, like, oh, did and I, I did. did. I, I was I was like, Ehh. and of course, you do that. Oh, oh, fucking hell. I'm terribly sorry. Have I interrupted your snish? <laughs> <kind of> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> because they look at you like you're mad. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Please go ahead. Uh, and it's up. Uh,
1: I need a cup of tea. I need yeah. a club biscuit, have, James. Have one. Well, if you look down to your side, you will find that there is oh a club biscuit, orange club. There is a Welsh cake from a Welsh baker here in LA. I a believe Welsh baker here yeah. in LA. He's so, up in Santa Clarita, apparently. What's their name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he's called the Welsh Baker. Uh, uh, um, he's, is his name Ava? A- Ava the Baker. Sorry. And what
0: was that you said about a Welsh accent? How do, you, how do you make it?
1: It was an Eddie Izzard joke.
0: Oh, OK, we'll leave that because I think it's a bit yeah dodgy. No, no, it was
1: a great joke. It's brilliant. It's like um, the difference between Indian and Welsh is with Welsh you have a very soft accent like this, you see, and then when you want to go to Indian, you grab a screwdriver, you jam it in your neck and you give it a turn and make it tightened up and then you get Indian and then you loosen it off again and you get Welsh. (laughs)
0: So true. I can never do both, unfortunately.
1: I hope we haven't offended anybody. And if we have, jog on!
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And also you'll notice that there is a chocolate hobnob. A milk chocolate hobnob It's funny because when you say hobnob
0: And when I think of hobnob (laughs) I don't think of that knob I think of Hob's (laughs) (laughs) Hob's End Come on Hob's End Come on Hob's End Come on tell me what am I talking about I don't know. It's the Hammer film, the Quatermass film, oh. Quatermass Two. Right. and the station is called Hobbs End, where ah. the aliens make an appearance. And Hob being Old Hob, which is a name for the devil, you see. Oh. Bit, anyway, Hobbs, Hobnobs, Hobnobs, the devil's knobs. Anyway, sorry.
1: Um, right. Well, I'm going to tuck in this Welsh cake.
0: Before you do, can I just say something? You have a famous saying which makes me laugh. Which is about shrinkflation. Oh, shrinkflation? And these fucking clubs, mate, are a victim of that. Well, you know, I don't know.
1: (laughs) I don't know if it is because when we were kids, they just looked so big. Your arms bigger. Yeah, exactly. They look smaller. I don't Mm. know. Let me grab my ruler. Let's see. They are nine centimeters by. (laughs) Thank you, Siri. What happened there? S- Siri is chirping in on her own, apparently, folks. Yeah. How bizarre is that? So, yeah, nine centimetres by two and a half centimetres. All right, well, measure that. Now, with these Welsh cakes, tell me about those. My grandmother used to make these Welsh cakes, not these particular ones, mm. obviously. But it's. That would have been odd. I'm not exactly sure. I am so unprepared, as usual. But they're basically flour, water, sugar, and raisins. And raisins, otherwise, raisin. it's resin. No, resin. Yeah, it's resin. Nice and chewy. Right, well, they look
0: like, to me, they do look like little pancakes, mm-hmm. and they're like about half a centimetre thick, and they're kind of like the Eccles cakes, but soft. Yeah. Um, you have
1: them with a cup of tea. <laughs> but they are very strong. So, can I dunk my Welsh? I could, but it would probably fall apart.
0: Hey? Eh? Yeah. Oh, OK, sorry. Well, here we go. Look, I'm doing a crafty bit of Googling whilst we're talking. Welsh cakes, also baked stones, are traditional sweetbread in Wales. Mm. They've been popular since the late 19th century with the addition of fat, remember you love lard, sugar, mm. and dried fruit <laughs> to a longer-standing recipe, I'm spraying all over my computer, for flatbread baked on the griddle. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. Nice, mate. They're very nice.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I love them. And the ones in Tesco... Yeah. Where did you get those? Well, I got these from the British shop. I've noticed that the logo on the wrapping mm. is from the place up in oh, Santa yeah. Clarita. You know what these are like? Very thin, cheap scones. Sure. it's mm. one way of looking at it. So, as you know, it is... <coughs> Sorry, I've love a bit of clotted cream on this. I don't have any. Doctor says no. <laughs> it's not <laughs> as high as it could be, but not as low as it should be. Yeah. Right. So it is Easter, everyone, and we have exchanged our Easter eggs. Martin has very kindly given me a Malteser's Easter egg. Wasn't cheap. And I have given Martin a Yorkie Easter egg. Which my son has consumed and taken away, and I'm
0: smacking my lips. I can't help it, I've got Pontifract or whatever it is in my teeth. <laughs>
1: um, but, um, but yeah, so it's Easter, which also corresponds with tax time. In, oh, in the United States, you've got
0: a tax situation. Well, no, you?
1: I don't have a tax situation. I actually, it's okay. What I was doing in my tax prep, because uh, I try and make it as easy for my accountant as possible. So I do all the tax prep for the year, and in doing so, I worked out that combined, money and I, last year, spent twenty thousand dollars on medical. Uh, Twelve thousand of that is health insurance premium, and the rest of it is everything else. un-fucking-believable. Can I do a sound effect? Yes, you can. Ah! (laughs) It was nuts. It's absolutely freaking nuts. 20 fucking grand. Yeah. And what did you get for that? Um, (laughs) I'm not going to go there. It's just a couple of invasive procedures and, uh, you know, some stuff like that. Right. Uh, Yeah. It's just unreal. We've already talked about the health insurance situation here in Mm. this country. And they say that it's open to everybody. They can get whatever medical insurance they want. But the problem with the Obamacare thing, they have bronze, gold, and then platinum, I think. Fucking ridiculous. I mean, look at it. Bronze,
0: gold. It's just like a credit card. Right,
1: but get this. I get the lowest premium a month. But my out of pocket copay for me personally is eight and a half thousand dollars
0: for the two English listeners that are listening in Potter's Bar and the other one okay it's three in Barnet. What does that mean? That means that say you had to go procedure, say if unfortunately you went to hospital, you had to go in for three days um now we know that that here would already you're talking about you could buy a house for that, yeah. So that would mean, out of your fucking wallet, spend,
1: what was it? For me, eight and a half thousand dollars.
0: Eight and a half thousand Before dollars. they pay
1: the rest of Before it. They the rest. Before
0: they pay the rest. Yeah. Eight. And what do you do if you don't have eight and a half thousand dollars, James? And you're lying on that bed and they're like, here's, sign the papers. Yes, no, this isn't the film Brazil. No. This is real life yeah. in America. Yeah. Sign these
1: fucking papers. You can barely see because you're yeah. so much in pain. What the fuck? No, it's outrageous. That was my gripe, really, about that, because I was shocked. But on the plus side, the taxes are done now. So what a business. It is. It's it's crazy. And, you know, I don't understand how when you get to a certain age, technically, you don't have to pay for anything. Mm. So you get to retirement, which they keep raising oh, over here. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Not, nothing like the French. I mean, we're at uh, 67, was it? We is looked it? up the other day. 67 is the retirement age here. What?
0: You know, it's funny, there's a thing on Facebook called Crew Stories. It's all about people who work in the film industry and they post their things. And this one gentleman put up, is it true that after you've retired, you're basically 11 paychecks in. So you get your retirement check and then you kick the bucket. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the thing. Some people are going, well, it's been less than that. Uh, if you do makeup effects, which I used to do, it's yeah. you don't collect at all, you pass on. And when I consider makeup effects with the chemicals, mm-hmm. the silicons and uh, certainly the resins right. and the catalysts and, you know, and the fiberglass dust, no wonder. But with the other crafts like art or so on and so forth and um, set dressing and costume, I have no idea. But it sounds pretty grim. It's like what they're doing is they're betting that you're going to croak. And they pay out so much money, Mm -hmm. you know, fucking, it makes you so cynical, Mm -hmm. so bitter. I agree. I know, and I'm here to relieve you of that bitterness. <laughs> no, it's really weird and strange, and it's very interesting because this is where, again, being English here, I find myself, actually, if you remember The Limey. Yeah. Which, uh, the Limey, which is a great film by mm-hmm. Steven If I can his name right. It's basically the memory is done with using light mm-hmm. and a fuzzing of the film, a blurring right. of the film, and when he's uh, sitting on the plane, the actor whose name I've conveniently forgotten as well, he played. What are we?
1: we? are awful.
0: I know. He played General <laughs> Terrence stamp. Terence Stamp. That's right, and they, it's great because they take. And Steve Soderberg. Ah, thank you, thank you, Steve Soderberg. Hmm. I should break that down. Soda, as in fizzy drink. Berg, as in iceberg. There you go. Steve Soderberg. Right. So basically, that memory, and that's what I have here. That kind of like you think, oh yeah, you just go to the doctor, and then and then of course you go there, and it's like credit card.
1: Yeah. Years ago, uh, I got diagnosed with MS on Carl's birthday. And I remember being in the hospital and somebody came along from the finance department and said, "Um, Mr. Maserami, we need to take your credit card and pulled out my wallet and they ran it through the thing. And back then, my deductible was $1,000 for a hospital stay. And then I think three days later, somebody different came by and said, oh, we need to take your credit card. And I was like, "Okay," And I was out of it because I was all drugged up and what have you. And they ran my credit card again. So I had actually met my deductible at that point. And then about four months later, I got a cheque back saying, we've overcharged you. And that was, I was like, Merry Christmas. (laughs) But that would never happen. I'd I'd go to hospital just for that
0: experience. Yeah, it's just so dreadful. And you know, you're just so scared yeah. to be unwell. Well, and, and especially stuff.
1: here, because it can count against your credit.
0: Yeah. And then also what they do, I had an MRI many years ago for my ringing ears. And when they looked inside, there was nothing. It was hollow. But apart <laughs> from that, this was all on my insurance because I had film industry insurance, which is quite good compared yeah. to a lot of them. And your out-of-pocket expense out-of-pocket. is very small. As long as you're what they call in-network, if you're out-of-network, Well, Billy Joe, you're fucked. But apart from that, I was in network and they mistakenly, I got charged for the drugs and the chemicals. Uh, You know, they have to put chemical inside you so the MII reads and see all the stuff. I uh, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it's made of lead. Anyway, they put that (laughs) in you and there was a $500 charge. I was like, what's this? And MPI, Motion Picture Insurance, was like, oh, well, nothing to do with you. You'll have to call the hospital. And then so I called a hospital and they're like, oh, you have to call your insurance. And then I called my insurance and said, you guys know the fucking hospitals. You deal with them all the time. They deal with you. You talk to right, them. Right, and You're working for me. Right. Wankers. <laughs> and so I made them like I sprinkled a bit of Britishness on there and they actually did do it. And it turned out, oh, oh, with the billing. The billing, we made a mistake with the billing, Mr. Mercer. By which time, sorry, I'm on the train ride here. Woohoo! By which time, they'd already sent a collection notice. Right. Oh, that bullshit. So, you.
1: Yeah, that's bad. Anyway, what's good in your life?
0: Well,. Um, it is Easter as we've discussed now we don't talk about religious business on this show but I was interested to find out the roots of Easter and mainly it's all paganism Mm -hmm. basically paganism has been around for thousands of years the worship of the goddess Gaia Mother Earth and all that which Mm -hmm. quite frankly I quite like the sound of that myself but um, it it all comes from there it's where you had the darkness of the long winter Mm -hmm. you can imagine especially in Britain I mean it's fucking nightmare in those days and the word Easter comes from the Scandinavian word, Ostra. O-S-T-R-A. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. And they derive from the names of goddesses. You know, we're having all this Me Too movement mm-hmm. now, but it's kind of like well, dudes. There was Me Too 2,000 years ago. It was fucking the Mother Earth, the goddess. She was the governor. Right. You had the dudear in the chariot. <laughs> <laughs> Bodicea? Yeah. Okay. Bodicea. You know, she was the governor S. Yeah. So, anyway, it was the spring equinox, the flowers were coming up, and, of course, you have eggs and chocolate bunny rabbits. Rabbits were a potent symbol of fertility. Yeah, that's egg. correct. And the funny thing is, of course, when you eat chocolate, it's kind of associated with sexual feelings, you know, the smooth taste, the melting in the mouth, and it gives you... a endor- Yes, but it tastes better than oysters. Um, and you have that... <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say not bearded ones but anyway moving swiftly on oh, um dear. but anyway so it's all linked and of course religion comes along and it goes, oh we'll remove all that that nasty stuff about getting together mackin babbies you know and we'll, <laughs> we'll turn it into some poor bloke if you can go- see the
1: face that martin's just made when he was a mackin babbies just then it's just, <laughs> we need to switch this to video i think i know <laughs> But, but now you've got. We'll change that lovely
0: sexual stuff, and we're going to swap it for a geezer, all covered in blood, hung on a cross. It's like anyway. And then you've got hot cross buns. Saxon fertility goddess. An ox was sacrificed, uh, so actually hot cross buns, which I don't really do here, apart from no. the Jewish bakery. Yeah. Continental shops have got hot cross. Yes, they do. Cross Buns, and of course you say hot cross buns. It's a bit like if you say the pound shop to an American, right? Because pounding in America means a good old rogering. Uh, sexual activity, ladies and gentlemen,
1: or, or a good old beating, give them a pound, yeah,
0: good old pounding. And so, Americans go to England, they go, Oh my god, the pound shop! Oh, let's go in there and get pounded, dude. <laughs> and so, hot cross buns if you say hot cross buns, it, buns in America means your bottom, it's a nice way of saying, Oh, hey, she's got tight buns, anyway. Your silence says it all. Yeah, no, um, just... <laughs> and of course, the egg has been a symbol of rebirth and fertility. So it's fascinating all that. Now, what we want to do? We did do a video of our opening,
1: but I think James, I well, have got to open up my Maltesers. Yeah, open up your Maltesers. We'll do it over uh, here, so um, you can hear what? me opening the box. So this. And is they a... don't
0: do chocolate eggs here, really. Do no, they, they don't. And
1: Why? Because it's all about chocolate bunnies here, isn't it? Oh, it's the bunny! Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, this is now. Yeah.
1: I happen to love Maltesers.
0: Yeah. Now, what are Maltesers, James? Are uneducated chums? Maltesers are
1: chocolate-covered malt balls. <laughs> 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 now, yeah. Look at this! Look at this! It's coming out in the basket. Oh, look! It's a, they've got a little fake basket. The
0: basket's not real, but they printed a basket on it. So it's, yeah. you know, 9 out of 10 for effort. Yeah,
1: and now in here I've got another smaller Game of Thrones golden oh, egg. Oh, that's smaller than the Yorkie egg, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It's the price. It's and a bag of Maltesers inside. Ah. So so I'm a
0: happy camper right now. Go on, are you going to taste one? I want to hear that crunch
1: of that ball, James. I <laughs> <laughs> think you see mine. When it comes to Maltesers, I suck the balls so they melt in my mouth. Oh. And I'm not trying to be funny. That's no, you know, no. Got... I
0: used to do that as well because it's basically the
1: ball inside is like a honeycomb. Yeah, it's a honeycomb. Crisp. it's what you get in this inside of. Um... It's not a crunchy. No, it's not no, no, a crunchy, no, no, no. is it? No,
0: no, it's a different. Would you like one?
1: Yes, I'd love one.
0: Here you go, my friend. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Don't eat them all. He's giving me the bag. What a bloody mug? Big <laughs> 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 daft. Give it back. There you go. I've taken four of your balls. You bastard. Now it's interesting to look at. You know, I look at this stuff and I think, how do Fanny
1: do they make these? I mean, how would you? It is a trade secret. Oh, it is. Yeah, because the one thing they won't tell you is how they make this. Hmm.
0: Because it's not a perfect spheroid. No. You know, you can see they had a problem making a spheroid. You can see they had a problem. Did did you say spheroid? I did. Yeah. (laughs) Just smear. Right. Maybe I was thinking they look like hemorrhoids, so I mixed the two words spheroid, hemorrhoid. anyway. they're not perfectly round, basically. So they've obviously got a problem there, and they hope that the coating of the chocolate would hide it, but it doesn't.
1: very nice, but they taste great. Mm. and I'll take them over the American version, which is whoppers, anyway. oh they're horrible. yeah,
0: mm. I mistakenly tried those. yeah, absolutely horrible. No, there's something not mm. right about those. oh the malness is fabulous. Mm-hmm. And you've got that crunch, and then it sticks to all your fillings. Yeah, that right. absolutely <laughs> lovely. <laughs> and you know what would be good with this?
1: Vitamals!
0: Yeah! Yeah, some
1: Vitamals! That was great, wasn't it? That it was, was really good.
0: lovely. It was brilliant having Heiko. Mm. Talking of that, yes. I then we should make a little announcement. All being well, and uh, this is the first time I've said this, we will peer out of our trench <laughs> and we will welcome Guy Masterson. Uh, my brother. Your brother, who is actually very successful yes he is in a sphere on his own he obviously didn't
1: touch you I, I, I want to ask him <laughs> why that happened well we'll be getting him on the show soon yeah um, or on the podcast I should say yeah um, so probably beginning of May I'm good, thinking good
0: self-correcting there Joe. yeah you yeah. know yeah, I like that
1: but no very excited see what there. I did there folks
0: very excited about that, and uh, a friend of mine, Simeon Wilkins, is an excellent storyboard artist. was very complimentary to me and Heiko. He really enjoyed the podcast, and he said it reminded when we used to go into a studio because we're all working remotely now. Yeah, I worked with Simeon on um, uh, Power Rangers, <laughs> Power Rangers, the movie directed by Dean Israelite. Yeah, and we wouldn't work in a studio. We were working yeah. remotely, but we would go to the studio which was uh, Paramount Pictures, which is a very old lot. And we would go there and we'd we'd at least meet and go on the lot. And he said that listening to us had that feeling of when you're chit-chatting, you're working in the
1: office together. That was really nice. No, well, it's good. And, and thank you, Simeon. That's a, a nice recognition there. So thank yeah. you for that. No, it was, it was funny you brought up the Power Rangers thing, because as you know, I've been working on Power Rangers with James Spates. We...
0: Never heard of it.
1: <laughs> I remember when we were doing our 20th uh, American season, I asked the producer to bring you on to design a set yeah. for us. After that happened, you ended up working on the movie, yeah. which was being shot at the same time that we were working on season 20. And I remember going over to your place and you're being all very secretive. And I oh, so can you show me some of the boards? He goes, no, not really, not really. I said, well, what's the script like? And he goes, I can't talk about the script. And I said. Let me get this right, Martin. So the Power Rangers don't know each other. They end up getting together. They have to work together to get their Zords together. And then that doesn't work, fighting the enemy. And then they all put the Zords together to create a Megazord. And you're like, how'd you know that? I'm like, it's Power Rangers. It's the same story (laughs) over and over again for every season. (laughs) And and you were quite blown away by the fact that I already knew the script. He knew the
0: story. Yeah. Well, it's interesting now because uh, there's quite a few things uh, to discuss. Uh, First of all before I talk about the film, is I'm interested in you, and I'm sure lots of people are, your experience of working on a show because mm. now when you did work on the show... Yeah. And obviously I knew you back then as well. Yeah. I was in the early years of Los Angeles. Honestly, to me, I didn't really give a shit about it. No. But after having Lucas... And Lucas's interest in it, and because I, I would sit with him and watch it, and yeah. I was like, "Hey, hold on! There's a certain name for the special effects in Japan, which we're probably doing the corrections. There's a name for yeah. the art and craft of special effects, which all happened with uh, Godzilla. I think yeah. a couple of the guys who were the fathers of Japanese mm-hmm. miniature effects have passed yeah. away. But you know, when I watch this show. They had all those miniatures and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then, of course, the thing was, it was all that was done in Japan. And you guys would do reshoots to fit it in for the American audiences, right?
1: Yes. The way that it worked with Hayam Saban was he bought the show. Who is Hayam Saban? Hayam Saban is a big media mogul who made his money, I believe, by licensing the music to his early shows. And that's why any Saban show has wall-to-wall music in it because he owned the music right so every time that show got played or that music got played he would get a cut of whatever and it got to the point where in a nutshell he got so rich from that that he was able to buy a show whether it was power rangers or whatever else and basically repurpose it when we use that term before with the mm. anime stuff mm. but what that meant was everything to do with special effects was so expensive to redo over here and because power rangers are basically guys in costumes with helmets we could just take all of that stuff and reshoot the people without the helmets on with american actors and then just cut it in with the japanese footage right thereby saving a ton of money by not having to redo any of that stuff right so that was all done in Japan. You'd obviously have to find some location that yeah. looked a bit japan And we had a really good location manager. So now it used to be shot up here in Santa Clarita.
0: Right. So it was it was done in America. Yeah. Because I know it's now, they kind of went all over the world well, to get the tax dollars. They, right? they
1: looked, when Haim sold the company to Disney, Disney looked at the books and said, we can do this cheaper in New Zealand. Everything was then shot in New Zealand. They would hire the actors from LA right. or wherever and ship them out. And that's when we were working on season 17, 18, 19 and 20. Back in 2012, James Bates was a story editor and he brought me in to help make everything flow from the United States to New Zealand. We had licensing and mm. legal stuff, mm. but the scripts had to be in various different formats. And because of the 12 mm. hour time difference, we were working a seven day week, right? 18 hours a day in the wow. script department.
0: I mean, it's amazing that in a, in, a, in a kids fucking show.
1: Yeah. You were doing those kind of yeah. hours and all that. And, Arranged. Because we would work the LA office hours, which was eight till six, but then New Zealand would start shooting around two o'clock in the afternoon our time, and we had to be on till about midnight in case there were any script changes. Right. And it was a nightmare. I mean, it was a lot of fun, but logistically speaking, it was a, it was a nightmare. But we got it done. Because for me, watching it, I was just like,
0: "Oh, models! They still use yeah. models. They mm. had that shit digital stuff." Yeah. But they had the model stuff. And I, I love that. It's such a tradition. Yeah. And you, the costumes are yeah. so imaginative. Yeah. Now, did you see those costumes? But well, They were, they were, were doing it uh, up here, they yes. Had all we, that, right? Yes, they Bring don't... the Japanese over. Did yes. they make it
1: so what they would do they would bring out the the hero costumes and the actual stunt costumes which were kind of beaten up obviously because they'd film them all there yeah. they'd bring out all the props like the motorcycles so they'd ship them all over, ship them all over here Ooh, sorry. and then we had a monster department here that would actually rebuild the monsters glue them back together again and all this kind of stuff and then we had a warehouse up here in not Sun Valley but somewhere around somewhere. there that had all the costumes oh. for 16 seasons worth of Power Rangers that must have been great as a kid to so just oh, go we some... well I remember it was just walking into this where it was like Indiana Jones. You walk into the and there yeah. were just all these stands with all these monsters on it, and they all looked beaten up. And of yeah. course, they, they kind of stank, and they had that sort of like
0: I've been there. I know what that's yeah.
1: like. <laughs> yeah. The stress that went with the job, you know. Didn't, didn't really matter. You need because... the stress. It keeps you going. Oh, well, yeah.
0: It's when you're not working, you're suddenly like, oh, fucking hell, I'm falling apart. Yeah. When you're working, you've got the uh, testosterone. Yeah. You know, yeah, the but... red ball flowing through your veins. <laughs> 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 That's what I find. I can draw for fucking 25,000 hours.
1: Soon as i got a day off, I'm like, oh, hold on. I'm 90. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but it was great fun. But that's a great legacy to have. There were people we worked with that we were just like, oh, really? There were more hindrance than help, but we won't mm. name names. But names, names, I on them now! No, no, no! <laughs> but everybody in New Zealand was fantastic. It was a good experience and um, sad that it was over, really. Yeah, and going back to the film...
0: Yeah. Um, now that was a different experience and of course there'd been this thing released online somebody had done their own version of it yes and it was very good and I think what had happened whilst the film was being developed they'd taken a look at that and decided to go on a more serious tone and it was interesting because I hate to say it and I've worked on the film I love the director, Dean Israelite he's a Mm. very good guy he's a very sweet guy and he's good at what he does but unfortunately they missed something in the film and I think a lot of it was fun Well, uh, fun 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 there's a new power brain film coming out mm-hmm. and it goes back to the to the, the beginning. Over the
1: top yeah. fun. And yeah. and that's it. Well if I can tell you why I think that the film didn't work Yeah. Well we saw it together, didn't we? I and mean, another because, seven. because now in, closing. in Power Rangers, in that first episode of that new season, everything comes together and is done within thirty minutes. You know who all the characters are, and they all work together at the end of that episode. That's in 30 minutes. I remember timing it. What was it, a two-hour movie? Yeah. It took an hour and 15 minutes before anything happened. Yeah. That's why I don't think it did very well. No, and I did a lot of stuff with Rita Repulsa.
0: Yeah. And there was a sequence, and I boarded it, where, because she loves gold, mm. Rita's all about gold. Yeah. Yeah. That's my limited understanding of it. Usually when I work on a film, some films, I haven't got a fucking clue what they're about, but I just (laughs) delve into it and just follow my instincts. It's yeah. not puffing me up with the ass with a cream bun. I just have an instinct, and it works. So I didn't know much about Power Rangers apart from what I'd seen with Lucas. But there's this scene where she she's fished up in a boat, and she's brought ashore. And the next thing you know, she's ripping the gold teeth out of all these fishermen. Right. And it was I was just like, what the fuck? It was so violent, and it was like, no, you could just feel it wasn't going to work. Yeah, it but was. Anyway. It was just
1: a bit weird because a it took a long time for them to come together. Yeah, it's a good Good to make point. the team. I mean, a long time. Yeah. And then it didn't know whether it wanted to be a teen movie. Exactly. An, an adult movie yeah. or what? It, a kid's it was, film, which it yeah. certainly wasn't. No. Yeah. And I get wanting to age things up so you got a broader audience. Yeah. That I get. But, you know, if you're going to do that, then make a decision early on and say, OK, we're going to age up Power Rangers so that the adults who grew up on this stuff can have a more up-to-date experience. Yeah. But I think that's the charm of Power Rangers because it's the same no matter what season you're in. Charm. That's the word. I mean, it's like... um, Well, Hayam always used to use the
0: word, where's the heart? Well, that's a good word, too. Where's the heart? You know, and talking about Hayam, I just wanted to fill in a little bit just with his history. As far as I understood it, he discovered these shows... Originally, right? Yeah. He discovered these shows and they were selling for dirt cheap. Yeah. It was like, hey, I could just dub in the
1: voice, mm-hmm. do the music and sell it to American TV. Yeah, this is a whole nother discussion where I would need some more people who know more about it than All I right. do. But yeah,
0: it's that kind yeah. of but yeah. But that is a very clever. Yeah. Uh, you look at him and you think, what a fucking clever way Absolutely. to come up with a way of doing entertainment and making a nice bit of money. Which I haven't worked out yet, and you certainly have. Haven't. It's just like it's oh, very, I, I always I'm spending this, money. Oh, of course, you do. I always find it fascinating when you look at those people's stories and how they do it. And again, going back to Guy, you know, when I think of Guy, I, I want to talk to him about this. About dude, you studied chemistry, biochemistry, biochemistry. Yeah. You next thing you know, you're doing a play in the back garden. And now you've got a tour company and you're your own boss. Yeah. He could have been a job in actor. And, yeah. you know, and that's hard enough. And anyway, so I love we'll, hearing we'll, stories. we we'll get all our people. questions I'm speaking and talking over me. You're going to be having more editing hours and you're going to be grumbling,
1: grumbling, grumbling, grumbling. We will talk to Guy about all of that.
0: Yeah. James brought me a twirl egg. I won't have that now. Because I'm all chocolateed out after all. Yeah, a really no, I'm, I'm
1: chocolated out as well.
0: Yeah, that article that I read, and I think we were discussing about it, an American lady, New York lady, who yeah. moved to Britain, she's specialist in food, and
1: she said an American chocolate sucks. Who was that? I don't know. <laughs> but I, and I just wanted, look, just just from my standpoint, I don't think all American chocolate sucks. I know you don't like seas candy. I do like seas candy. Yeah. but What, what chocolate's good? Sees candy, right? <laughs> if you say so. No, it is. What else? That's it. Yeah.
0: Mind you, know. I'm sure. I rest there... my
1: case, my lord. I, I'm I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are some other places. Look, I don't think LA is the be-all and end-all of chocolate.
0: Talking about that, yeah. LA be-all and end-all? Nuts. LA's full, your pardon. LA's full of nuts, as we know. No, there was this shop. It closed down. It was a black owned business and it was on Burbank and it was a sweet shop. Unfortunately, it closed. I think the pandemic kind of ruined them. But the lady in there used to sell these chocolate almonds and they were sugar free and they were delicious. And it was made by an L.A. company. And I've tried to find because I can't remember the name, you see. So that doesn't help when you're no, trying to find...
1: but maybe some of our listeners can chime in with whatever that nut shop was. Sugar-free, chocolate almonds, made in Los
0: Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> it's an emergency. I need them. I want them.
1: <laughs> Martin wants a mouthful of nuts, everyone. Uh, there we go.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm Did we to... talk enough
0: about the noisy motherfuckers? Yeah, we did. Okay. We'll have to beep out uh, the uh, fuckers bit. What well, was the... Da-ding, cum- da-ding, da-ding. Do you that beep out be... the motherfuckers no. or the fuckers? Do you no. beep out the mother, or do you beep out the fuckers? Technically, it's you said mother. <laughs> no, so you beep out. So we can have mother, yeah. but we beep out the kids. C- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 this is gonna be fun <laughs> oh i've got something to say go on then now i'm gonna actually having a little bit of sniff of the underpants of success oh, this coming week really because there's a cast and crew screening, it's not a premiere <laughs> but what it is is a cast and crew screening at universal now am i invited no but basically the disappointment yeah, level well, is rising uh, well, if you're invited, I'd have to cleave myself in two because it used to be bring your family. Now is you get one fucking ticket and that's it, mate. Because my friend Heiko, he works on Renfield as yeah. well. And he was like, hey, did you get a ticket? Was it for one? And I was like, yeah, it was for one Heiko. well. So he goes, oh, great. You know, so we're going to go on a double date. Just me and Heiko. Um, and, and anyway, a little bit of sniff What I was hoping, I don't know, if the cage is going to be there I doubt it, but it would be great to get a photo with the cage You know,
1: on the one or two times that I've been invited to screenings at Universal For yeah. films you've worked on It's cast and crew, but I've never seen any of the no, cast I know It's always I know. crew Yeah, but what they do, they always put on the
0: popcorn And they make it right. nice So I'm kind of looking forward to that. I even had my hair cut for it. I noticed. Yeah, and I did order a T-shirt with Dracula on. I'm such a (laughs) fanboy. I don't know if it's going to fucking come on time. Might have made my own. It would have been quicker. When is the screening? It's on the...
1: uh... Oh, very good. And I noticed you were wearing your Electric State T-shirt the other day.
0: Yes, that was a very nice gift basket. I think I got that gift basket because my dear friend Darren Dellinger, who got me on the job, Mm. he was lead storyboard artist and he... He has a very good relationship with the directors, the Russo brothers. And so he's their main guy. And so he very kindly said, oh, we need somebody. Are you up for it? I was like, yes. So I worked on that for 10 months and. Very kindly, I got this gift basket, and it had a T-shirt from the Russo brothers, which was was that very 60s kind of style cool thing. There was a T-shirt from one of the actors in it, Christopher Pratt. Oh, good. My God, I remembered his name. There was a lovely portable loudspeaker. There was a mug with my name on
1: it. Nice. I tell you, my name. Not cheap. Not cheap.
0: But it was really nice <laughs> gift basket. And that was lovely. And it was a lovely project to work on. I love working with Darren. So, yeah, it would be great if we got a screening of that. I don't know. But they've got so much visual effects work to do with that. So who knows? I think Darren's still working on it, actually. Second unit, they've expanded
1: it. Oh, did you see the latest trailer for Indie?
0: Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, my <gasps> fanboy oh, friend. That. Why? Well, I've got problems with it, mate. Oh, come on, it's Indie. Go on. I'll hear you first. I want no, to talk over I you. just like
1: it. I, I don't just, want to walk over you. I thought... I don't it... want to walk over you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for something to throw at Martin. An egg. Um, you know what? It's fun. They brought it into the 60s or 70s or whatever. I like that. And I'm curious. I mean, this is his last one. And it's James Mangold directing, right? He's a good director. Now, I'm trying to think, what has he directed? Did he do... James Bond.
0: God,
1: that was awful. Well, which one? Dreadful. He did a number of James Bond. I think he did two James Bond movies. Both of them are terrible. What, you didn't like Skyfall? Who? Hang on, did he do Skyfall? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did.
0: But he did... What no, I want to know... Did... No. He didn't do... No, the, he didn't do Skyfall. What, what, quickly, bring him up. What did he do? Um, because... What, oh, come on. Hang on. Because I think he did... Didn't he do the film about the girl in the Second World War? Starring Akira Knightley. Did he do that one? Wasn't he a writer? James Mangold was a writer at first, wasn't he? Yeah, hold on. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. And he did this, I think it was him. It's an excellent film. And it's about a young girl who accuses her sister's boyfriend of raping her.
1: He did Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Which is excellent. He did Logan. What do you mean? Oh, Logan was excellent. Right. Excellent. He did Night and Day, which... Uh, he did 310 to Yuma. Oh, very yeah. good. Really enjoyed that.
0: Right. Come on, what else? Hang on. So- two, two great films. There. I mean, Logan totally surprised me. The fucking action and the tension and the way those kids and the main actor, whose name I conveniently got, just brilliant. I really love that film. Oh, look, IMDb. Quickly.
1: Hold on, here we go.
0: All right. Uh, I didn't mention Bond there. No, I was wrong with the <laughs> No wonder they were crap. Yeah. He didn't do it. Um, why were we
1: talking about him? Well, because I, I said I liked him as a director and I think he's going to be fine directing. Oh, in the, yeah. In the okay, time. The
0: Dial of Destiny. First yeah. of all, the title, a dial. Yeah, I, I hear the word dial, I think of washing up powder. <laughs> so, couldn't you come up with another word for dial? Excrement. No. <laughs> There must be another word for a device that you turn. It's like dial. Okay, it rhymes with destiny. Uh, Out of the top of my head, Indiana Jones and the Clock of Doom. Indiana Jones and the Mechanism of the Past. No.
1: I get what you're saying. I'm okay with the title. I mean, I thought it was a bit wishy-washy, but from the visuals that I've seen, I think it looks really good.
0: Well, okay, that's fine. The trouble is... I want you to do one thing. I want you to take a screen grab of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. And where the plane is flying over the Great Wall of China. Yeah. I then want you to take a screen grab from the latest commercial where you see them jumping out of the plane. The plane flying over the Great Wall of China was both miniatures combined in an optical <laughs> printer. Right. And it looks fucking brilliant. Yeah. Nobody really knew it was special effects. This one, you like CG plane it's yeah, not shot, fucking it, real i've got a huge problem and in the guardian they were doing a review of the original superman because you know Superman's yeah, coming back right it's screen coming back on the big screen in london maybe here hopefully and they said superman was shot in the realist manner in sure. the realist way and when you look at this stuff the way it's shot now everything's tinted yeah it's all visual effects it's actually one of the reasons why i like the mandalorian Because it's modern-day ILM genius visual effects, but it looks real to me. There's a certain plasticity to it because it's Star Wars. But you look at that trailer, James, I want to see it and I want to enjoy it, but it doesn't have that Indiana Jones and the fucking uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. God, nothing's going to come close to that. Then why did they do it? Stop already. Why did they... Make
1: something new. Why did they do the Crystal
0: Skull? That was dreadful. And why did they hide the script in a safe? Fucking waste of time. Ridiculous. Did you they remember all that? The, the script was locked in safe and apparently somebody absconded within. It was like, rrr, 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 rrr. you know, we've lost this fucking great story. It's like, really? Mm. It wasn't was was that,
1: on, which one were we talking about?
0: Indiana Jones and the Crystal Sky. Yeah, well, that was dreadful. Okay, what's the plot of this one? So he's aging, he's in his final years in the 60s, some bird. That's you know, his travel. goddaughter. Yeah, but you see that she goes against him in the trailer. That's meant to be a fucking surprise. Now we know that she's working for the other fellow. It's like, why do that in these trailers? Well, you go in there, you know it already, James. I'm sick of these fucking trailers now. In the 80s, when you had the trailer for Indiana Jones, they didn't show you... I'm trying to think of something that was revealed. Yeah, the, the opening of the They didn't arc. show you that. I didn't know it was about that. And so that came as a fresh surprise. And now it's all, here on the plate, go in. We want to appease you. We want you to like the film. No. You make the movie. Yes, it's Hollywood. You spend a tentpole load of money. So obviously it has to follow your third act structure and all that. But you don't suck the bell-end of the audience. (laughs) If you just deliver. (laughs) Spielberg and Lucas, when they did the first one, they were like, we want to make this, it's the adventures series, and it's like they delivered. They did something they wanted to see. Is the Dial of Destiny something Steven Spielberg and Judith Lucas, or the modern-day equivalent of them, want
1: to see? That's the question. Listen, I'm going to be open-minded. I can't wait to see it. It's coming out on my birthday, so thanks very much for getting me the tickets. Not cheap. uh, No. I want the most expensive tickets you can find.
0: Uh, well, uh, where's the cheapest abandoned theatre around here? <laughs> yeah. No, I'd like to see it. Don't get me wrong. I'm still a fanboy. They've got to be careful. Because cinema now is all digital and it's looking very gamey. Mm-hmm. It's looking very gamey. I had to get that. And, I, and I think games should be games. And movies
1: should be movies. Yeah, but it's all about the suspension of disbelief. Of yeah, you I
0: know, no, no, no I, I understand no, I, that, uh, yeah, and I, I get that. But when I'm faced with video game stuff, I see superheroes bouncing around like they're made of rubber. I cannot suspend my disbelief no, with that. No. When I see Christopher Reeve, I know he's in a harness. I know he's on the Zoptic system, yeah. but I
1: still believe it. You believe a man can fly? I do. I did. I don't anymore. <laughs> nice talking. Yes. yes. Indeed. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Did I give you a chance this time? Did you get a word in edgeways? Barely, but I'll take
0: it. Mm. You weren't it. Thanks. Bye.
1: Before we go, we bring you our...
0: Fact check! Fact
1: check! Fact check! Fact check segment. Here with the benefit of hindsight... And editing. We can own up to our mistakes. <laughs> so, mate, I've got to tell you... It's not pont <laughs> <laughs> No! Uh, what is it, James? Uh, <laughs> Pontifract are not things that you get in your teeth. That is a town in the West Yorkshire area and means broken bridge in Latin. Oh. So you've got a mouthful of broken bridge, apparently.
0: Well, if you had a bad dentist, you would, wouldn't you? <clears throat> <laughs>
1: Tokusatsu is a Japanese term for live action film or television series that makes heavy use of practical effects developed by Godzilla and Ultraman creator Aiji Tsuburaya. Why? Right. okay i
0: love that stuff i love those miniatures and he's a bit of a legend he was born in 1901 and he passed away in 1970 but Amazing. he actually created toho
1: films which that would be tohi is it tohi it is tohi <clears throat> <I'm> stand corrected <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's special effects department, Yeah. bit of a legend, very clever man, and he studied engineering at the Tokyo Kananda Electrical
1: School. Nice.
0: Now, more importantly, your correction, Haim Saban, who was your boss, mm. became known for soundtrack compositions for children's television programmes of the 1980s. Yeah. He then became a television producer, founding Saban Entertainment in 1988. In the 1990s, Saban's company became known for the production of Power Rangers, Masked Rider, VR Troopers, and Ninja Turtles. The Next Mutation and Big Bad Beetleborgs, James. That's right. Which were Western adaptations of Japanese Takusa... Toku uh, special effects shows. Tokusatsu.
1: And that. Yes. Yes. And that's right. And Big Bad Beetleborgs was the first show for Saban I ever worked on. Right. Two seasons. As? First season, I was a a runner. And the second season, I was the assistant to the supervising producer. Look at that.
0: Ladder climbing. Brilliant. There you go.
1: All right. Well, um...
0: James Mangold did not direct any James Bonds. No,
1: no, he didn't. That was Sam Mendes. Yeah, well done. All right, well, thank you. We'll see you next time. Yes, bye-bye.